talk about is the Hegelian dialectic. This is really one of Satan's primary tools in his arsenal. Uh, it goes uh, back to Friedrich uh, Hegel, uh, and he was uh, a German philosopher, who, along with Immanuel Kant, is often considered one of the fundamental figures of modern Western thought, um, and his influence was extremely uh, profound. He died in the early 19th century, but it's named after him. The idea is what's often called thesis, antithesis, or synthesis. Problem, reaction, solution. I'm going to give you an example of what that means. But it's essentially a framework for guiding thoughts and actions into conflicts that lead to preordained synthetic solutions. In other words, and you also, a part of the Hegelian dialectic is controlled opposition. That's what the right-left paradigm is all about. So those of us on the right, conservative, I assume you guys are Bible-believing conservatives, you know, like me and Jesus, right? Um, and all those of us on the right are over here saying, you know, let's vote Republican and let's do this and let's change this and let's do that. And over here on the left, they're saying, ah, oh, we're progressive, we're liberal, let's vote Democrat, let's do this. But every four years, it might change, or every eight years, but it's still a one-way street and nothing ever happens. And by the way, don't be fooled by the lie of uh, the Dodds ruling on June 24th uh, by the Supreme Court. Uh, I say this with great hesitation because I'm sure it's going to make some people mad. But that was, uh, the Supreme Court, as I've demonstrated in many other contexts, has been controlled for decades. So it's not left-right, there's not conservatives, there's not you know, you know, liberals, it's not a supermajority of six to three, it's all controlled, every one of them. And so the thing, the ruling that came out on June 24th, here's what the ruling was, and not very many people are out there saying it. There are some conservative pundits that are pointing this out, but not very many. <clears throat> and I, I talked about it the Monday on the radio, on a radio show. I was on David Fiorazzo's Stand Up for the Truth, a nationwide syndicated show. And <clears throat> I talked about it the Monday following the Friday ruling. But here's what the Supreme Court ruled. The Supreme Court now ruled and enshrined the fact that unborn children have no constitutional rights. That's what they said. That's the ruling. Because the Constitution clearly says that anything that's not specifically defined by the Constitution is left up to the states. The Constitution in the 14th and 5th Amendments clearly ascribes rights, the right not to be murdered, to all human beings. You have that right. Nobody can murder an innocent human being. That's a fundamental constitutional inalienable right. The Supreme Court said, no, you can. You just have to depend where. We're going to leave that up to the states. Would there be an outcry if the Supreme Court said, we're going to leave it up to the states whether you can kill 10-year-old children who disobey? Think we'd have an outcry? Of course we would. Well, think of it in those terms. That's what happened. The decision on June 24th was not a constitutional one. It was a geographical one. They didn't tell you whether or not you can kill unborn children. They said, where can you do it? That's what they said. And that's all playing into this end times plan of undermining the rule of law in this country. And if they can do away with the constitutional rights of the unborn, you better believe they can do away with your constitutional rights. And they already are. A Time magazine had a big cover story showing the Constitution going through a shredder, and the headline was, Does It Still Matter? And um, so I talk about that in my video, Red, White, and Bad, when the country we love becomes the country we fear. But, um, you know, the controlled opposition is one way of getting people kind of squabbling and fighting so they think they have a voice when in reality the agenda keeps marching forward. But it's also called problem, reaction, solution. The idea is here's what we want to accomplish, but it's always easier to get people to go along with our agenda willingly than to force them. 
right? So what can we do that will cause people to happily and willingly get on the train? That's the Hegelian dialectic. Problem, reaction, solution. So we provide a problem, you provide a predictable reaction, and together we all provide a solution, which is what we wanted all along. So for example, let's say their goal is to shut down the alternative media. Groups like Not By Works Ministries. We quit using YouTube almost two years ago, right at the beginning of the pandemic, because they kept banning our videos. And uh, they've still banned them, by the way. I haven't posted anything new to YouTube. We do everything on site at notbyworks.org now. But I haven't posted anything new to YouTube in two years. And they're still going back, and their algorithms are pulling my videos and, and banning them. You know, we've had 12 videos now banned altogether. All and they space them out. They'll do one, then they'll do another, and then they'll, then they'll go three months, and all of a sudden they'll do another one. But we don't use YouTube because it's basically, um, you know, censored. Um, but their goal is to shut down the alt media. So uh, here's the thesis. Let's fake fake news to cause a public outcry. So they used fake news uh, as a meme, kind of like conspiracy theory. And they just put it out there and they just labeled it fake news, you know. And then the public's, oh, look at this fake news. What do I do? Please help me. Save me, big brother. And then... Big Brother says, okay, we'll save you. We're going to start censoring it on YouTube and Twitter and all these other Facebook and whatnot. But the ultimate goal that they wanted all along was to control speech and to remove free speech. As we talked about in the first hour, you, you know, they've got to control language. Here's another example. Let's say they want to centralize power. They want you to give up your rights, your freedom rights. So they manufacture a terrorist threat. Then they have this repressive you know, police state. Yes, save me from the boogeyman. You can track my cell phone. You can track my regular phone. You can do, listen to everything I'm saying. Please, if whatever it takes, you know, just protect me from the boogeyman. And, and really what it is, we're playing right into their hand and they're removing all of our uh, freedoms. Or let's say they want to do a global tracking system. We know the Antichrist is going to have to be able to tra track everybody on the globe if he's and his false prophet, the second in command, are going to be able to control commerce which the Bible tells us they will after the rapture during the tribulation. So how do we usher in that? No one's going to willingly sign up and say, yes, please track me. All right, well, let's manufacture a pandemic. By the way, chapter 9 in the book is the most, I think, profound chapter in the book, 50 pages, and I detail in, in at great length with smoking gun evidence, and I'm not alone in this. There are a lot of other authors out there talking about it, how the uh, pandemic was preplanned uh, 22 years earlier, uh, and we have all kinds of smoking gun evidence of that. Definitely a real virus, no question about that. But it was never about the virus, it was about the vaccine. But the thesis is, you know, we'll manufacture a pandemic. Everybody will say, oh, please, track my every move, uh, contact tracing. And then, in the end, we've gotten full-spectrum control, which is what they wanted. It's a big new Brzezinski, a, a leading Luciferian globalist who died in 2017. But he worked for both sides of the aisle. He worked for everybody from LBJ to Reagan. That's another sign that this is a fake two-party system. But he said, the regionalization is in keeping with the trilateral plan, which calls for a gradual convergence of East and West. Uh, he goes on to say the technotronic era, that's what he called it back in his book, Between Two Ages, uh, involves the gradual appearance of a more controlled society, which would be dominated by an elite unrestrained by traditional values. And in the context, he's talking about of liberty. Same thing that Klaus Schwab's talking about now is that this is going to be a hard road, but get ready for it because you're going to have to rethink what it means to be free, what it means to be human, what it means to be an American, because all of that is changing if the Luciferians get their way. Uh, Pat Miller uh, was a uh, 
Colorado State representative uh, back in the 90s in her book, Willfully Ignorant, she puts it very well. The best way to take control over a people and control them is to control them utterly is to take a little of their freedom at a time, to erode rights by a thousand tiny and almost imperceptible reductions. In this way, the people will not see those rights and freedoms being removed until past the point at which they can be reversed. Uh, Dresden James, by no means a, a, a Christian necessarily, but again, oftentimes the, it's unbelievers who kind of see through the lens of the Luciferian conspiracy before Christians do. He said, when a well-packaged web of lies has been sold gradually to the masses over generations, the truth will seem utterly preposterous and its speaker a raving lunatic. And that's what they're trying to do. And then finally, I want to close out by talking about geoengineering. We have a whole chapter on this in the book. I've not talked about this in my last few conferences. I did, shortly after the book came out, I highlighted it at a conference up in uh, uh, Wisconsin. Um, but it's been a while, and I know we've, we're you know, getting a different audience uh, audiences all the time with our videos and podcasts, so I thought you know, I would expose it here uh, with you guys. Um, you know, Klaus Schwab, who I dealt with extensively Wednesday night in Coeur d'Alene, um, uh, here are a couple of salient quotes from him about geoengineering, and then we'll describe what it is. He said, whether one approves of the idea or not, geoengineering is a feast of imagination. And they are salivating at what they can do and are doing and have been doing with geoengineering. It consists in intervening deliberately and on a large scale in the Earth's climate system. He goes on, this is from his brand new book, by the way, just came out this year, 2022. The mammoth idea that would have seemed, this mammoth idea that would have seemed incongruous, if not unimaginable, just a few decades ago, is now a serious, although radical, option to stave off a possible climate catastrophe. So geoengineering, and I've been speaking about this for 10 years, um, you know, it, it's something that we've tried to sound the alarm on even before it became commonplace, as you're going to see in a moment. Now it's out there. There are government contracts. There are corporations, websites, congressional hearings. It's, not, it's no longer uh, you know, a fact in dispute. Um, but uh, geoengineering is essentially, the, the, the pretext for it is the climate change. You know, the world is falling apart. It's coming to an end. Climate change, what used to be global warming, what can we do about it? We've got to save the world, and they use geoengineering to do it. But it's never about what it's about. That's one of the um, premises of the Luciferian conspiracy. It's never about what it's about. And indeed, geoengineering is not about what it's about. Now, before I get to some of the uh, examples of this stunning subject, I want to remind you of a couple of important principles. First of all, just because you've never heard something before doesn't mean it's not true. Now, I would guess in a group this size, several of you are familiar and studied geoengineering, but some of you might not. So I just want to remind you, just because you've never heard it doesn't mean it's not true. Likewise, just because something is new to you doesn't mean it's not been known for decades, and that's the case with the geoengineering. Albert Einstein wisely said, condemnation without investigation is the height of ignorance. So if this seems uh, preposterous to you, I'd at least investigate it rather than dismissing it with the imperious wave of a hand. Uh, William Paley kind of said it you know, before Einstein. A lot of people believe that's where Einstein got it from. Uh, but he was a British theologian, and he said, uh, there is a principle which cannot fail to keep man in everlasting ignorance, and that principle is contempt prior to examination. So let's do a little examination. In order to fully understand what geoengineering is, we've got to first understand the relationship between global warming or climate change and geoengineering. Um, so we see climate summits all over uh, the world, um, 
but ever since the, uh, the Copenhagen documents were secretly released uh, during a summit in Denmark, uh, and I, I tell the story about that in Great Last Days Deception, I think it's in here as well. Yeah, it is in my chapter on geoengineering. So uh, that kind of blew the whistle and showed that, that the whole climate change agenda isn't really about what it's about. Like most things, it was a manufactured uh, crisis. Um, but the true agenda uh, was, was complex, it was multifaceted, but essentially it wasn't about what it was about. Some of the things that they were trying to accomplish with climate change by taxing people and countries and, and so forth and getting rid of carbon and those types of things had to do with money, power, control, also eugenics and the depopulation uh, movement. But essentially, that's the pretext uh, for it. And we see these climate summits all over the place. They put together with the World Economic Forum and the United Nations a, com a comprehensive global plan that they're leading up to the year 2030. It's connected to Agenda 2030, uh, which they now believe they can accomplish sooner than that if you look at their own writings. Um, but Klaus Schwab is essentially saying, give me all your money and I'll save you. So they're trying to control the world through this pretext of climate change. So uh, what is geoengineering? Well, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'll tell you. It's real, it's widespread, it's openly admitted, and it's very, very dangerous. It's variously referred to in the literature as solar radiation management, climate intervention, weather modification, chemical ice nucleation, sprayed particulate trails, atmospheric aerosol saturation, stratospheric sulfate aerosols, and carbon dioxide removal. It's essentially, uh, even as Harvard has recently admitted, it's no longer a conspiracy theory. Remember, they think conspiracy theory means something that tinfoil hat and craziness, but that's not what a conspiracy theory is. It's just a theory about people working together for a nefarious means. But they say, oh, it's not a conspiracy theory. Uh, this is big oil approved stratospheric injection geo engineerings. Um, and they announced in that article, by the way, a $20 million grant uh, to spend money on all of this. We could go back to uh, John Owen Brennan, the former uh, CIA director, um, back in uh, 2013 to 2017. He said, another example is the array of technologies often referred to collectively as geoengineering that could potentially help reverse the warming effect of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat. That's the stated reason. But again, with Satan and his co-conspirators, it's never about what it's about. Notice what he goes on to say on the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter the weather pattern and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp oppositions by some nations. Indeed, it has. There have been a few nations that have spoken out at UN meetings against the United States and China and Russia's promotion of climate engineering. Scientific American Magazine defines it this way. Geoengineering is a planetary scale intervention or tinkering with planetary processes. So I want you to etch that picture in your mind of a wrench in the globe. That's what they're playing with. It's part of playing with God's creation. They're doing the same thing with the human genome. They're doing the same thing with transhumanism. They're doing the same thing with all kinds of other technologies. But at the largest scale, they are playing with God's creation. In his book, Fixing the Sky, Roger, James Roger Fleming says, the term geoengineering refers to the intentional large-scale manipulation of the global uh, environment. And you see companies that are you know, given government contracts to do this, these are st taken straight from their websites, 
where they show, and I've got it circled in red there, it's probably pretty small on the screen, but they show exactly how they're doing it. They're outfitting com both commercial, private, and military jets with sprayers to release aerosol particles in the stratosphere. Here's another one, straight from their own website, uh, uh, and uh, showing the same thing. And yet another one. Uh, so we see, you know, that in the circle there it says sulfur aerosols uh, from volcanoes, balloons, and aircraft, right? So this attempt to play with the world's, you know, climate and weather and the stratosphere is nothing new. Back during the Vietnam War, Operation Popeye, here's members of the 54th Weather Reconnaissance Squadron, uh, used, uh, and this was leaked out in a secret uh, memo in 1967 to the Joint Chiefs of, from the Joint Chiefs of Staff to President Johnson, and it talks about how they would, you know, cause it to rain on the Ho Chi Minh Trail as a weapon of war to, you know, to give them an advantage uh, over the enemy. But it goes back even before that. Project Cirrus, Project Storm Fury, about how to weaken and steer hurricanes. Uh, here's an article from MIT Technology talking about during the 2008 Summer Olympics how China... Uh, had an entire weather modification office that would make sure that it didn't rain when it wasn't supposed to rain and it would snow when it was supposed to snow. And they did it. And they did it. In fact, they spent millions uh, uh, trying to do that. Here's a, straight from their Wikipedia page, the Beijing Weather Modification Office. Um, uh, Russia's in doing the same thing. Not, not just China and the United States. Um, we see... Scientific American, this article, what is geoengineering? Why is it considered a climate change solution? Here's another article, geoengineering could turn the skies white. You know, uh, if, you, if you haven't looked up lately, maybe you haven't seen, but the clouds today do not look like they did when you and I were kids. <laughs> um, uh, here's an article taking the opposite approach. It's not a solution to climate change. Uh, UN blocks UN, U.S. blocks UN resolution on geoengineering. They wanted to try to regulate it, some of the smaller countries. No, we're not going to have that. Here's a PBS NewsHour story. Will geoengineering cool the planet? To cool the planet, harm the crops? In the book, I, I have a section where I went back and talked about how Popular Science Magazine actually has an entire section called geoengineering. And these are some of the titles from that section, just to let you know, again, that this is in plain sight. This isn't some bizarre, weird, made-up thing. One article, geoengineers will release tons of sun-reflecting chemicals into the air above New Mexico. Climate-fixing scheme to seed the seas with iron may not work. Rogue geoengineer dumps 100 tons of iron off Canada's west coast. Cloud seeding could cool off the seas where hurricanes form, making them weaker. Most people are in favor of wild geoengineering products. These are article titles. Geoengineering, are weather machines really the answer? What about this one? Bill Gates' hidden dreams of geoengineering revealed. Bored with PCs, Bill Gates sets his sights on controlling the weather. Uh, how Earth-scale engineering can save uh, the planet. So the idea here is that we need to remember is that the weather is scheduled, not forecasted. Um, and when you look up and you see these stratospheric aerosol injection or these sprayed particulate nanoparticles, uh, this is not a normal. What government scientists as well as private scientists with government funding are doing is hidden in plain sight. And if you look up now and then, you might actually acknowledge the elephant in the sky.
These are pictures that we've taken through the years from Illinois to Colorado to Texas um, of geoengineering uh, taking place. Here's one from southern Colorado uh, near South Fork. So this is not what partly cloudy looks like. So, you know, and geoengineering is, is dangerous. There are now, it's, it's so much out in the open that there are some doctors and sounding the alarm, scientists sounding the alarm on it and talking about all the diseases that are associated with nanoparticle uh, exposure. So uh, geoengineering is, is not just about controlling the weather, however, and it's most certainly not about fending off climate change. That's just the pretext. Uh, going back to Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, he gives us a clue at what it was intended to be used for. Technology will make available to the leaders of our major nations techniques for conducting secret warfare, of which only a bare minimum of the security forces need to be appraised. Techniques of weather modification could be employed to produce prolonged periods of drought or storm. Ask yourself if they're on record admitting that they can make it rain, and this has been for decades, and they've gotten better and better and better at it, why don't they make it rain over these fires? Because they're starting the fires. That's the reason. Uh, here's uh, Defense Secretary William S. Cohen at a uh, Department of Defense news briefing in 1997, April 28th at 8.45 a.m. to be exact, speaking about the threat of terrorism, at least that's the context. But he says, some scientists in their laboratories are trying to devise certain types of pathogens that would be ethnic-specific so they could just eliminate certain ethnic groups and racism. By the way, everything he says that they're worried about the enemy doing, we can do. Right? And the Luciferians are the ones pulling the strings. Others are designing some sort of engineering, some sort of insects that can destroy specific crops. I get into that in the book. Others are engaging even in an ecotype of terrorism whereby they can, watch this, alter the climate, set off earthquakes, volcanoes remotely through the use of electromagnetic waves. So does anyone really believe anymore, based on what they're telling us in plain sight, that the onslaught of forest fires is organic or accidental? Here's an article that talks about how aluminum dust, and they've done all kinds of testing. Uh, we're going to be headed from here to, eventually tomorrow into Mount Shasta, and there have been, been a lot of testing done there that show that the soils are, have exponentially more nanoparticles, aluminum, strontium, barium, so forth than, uh, than they would normally have in their natural life. But here's um, retired Brigadier General uh, Charles Jones. These white aircraft spray trails are the result of scientifically verifiable spraying of aluminum particles and other toxic heavy metals, polymers, and chemicals. So again, in the book, I get into the biblical response. You know, the Bible actually talks about God and climate and, and the world and the, you know, the heavens and so forth. And so uh, we were out of time for, for that this morning, but in the book I get into more of the biblical response to it. But it's something that you need to be aware of. Uh, it relates to a lot of other issues, uh, including uh, uh, big farm, big, uh, farm technology, Monsanto, uh, Terminator seeds, and things like that. Here are just a few more topics from the book that, that we didn't talk about today. Uh, we talked briefly about the false left-right paradigm, but mostly in the context of the media, but I get into the politics of it. Uh, fake news and censorship, false flags, a lot in there about eugenics and depopulations. Obviously, I mentioned the vaccines in Big Pharma in Chapter 9, and then MKUltra, if you've never studied that, 
and mind control. But what's our response? What should our response be? Well, remember, the Bible says, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. It is a biblical principle to be prepared. If you see the train coming, don't just stick your head in the sand, get off the track. And it's time to, to, to wake up and to pay attention, to be prepared at the biblical principle. So the question is, are you ready? Remember, talking about Satan, Peter says, be sober and be vigilant because he's walking about. Paul tells us, don't be afraid. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Don't be scared, but we should be prepared. Those two principles are both taught in Scripture. Being, taking wise preparations for what's coming in this, you know, warp speed of globalism that's coming our way is not an indication of a lack of faith or that you're scared because the Bible teaches both. We trust God, yet we also do the things that we should do to be prepared. Those that survived the Holocaust were the ones that saw it coming, saw through the lies and deception and hid out. Meanwhile, the ones that were deceived hopped on the train. One of the saddest uh, photos I've seen, I used to show this in conference messages, was of the a Jewish man carrying a suitcase as the train pulls away from the station heading toward uh, Auschwitz, and he's running after it. Wait for me, wait for me. See, they would love to have us willingly follow along. It makes their job a lot easier. Um, in uh, John, Jesus reminds us in the world we're going to have tribulation, but remember, he has overcome the world. So who are you counting on to help you in a crisis? Are you counting on the government? <laughs> well, if you are, uh, Jeremiah, that 6th century prophet, I think has some words that might be relevant for you. He says, remember, your leaders are stupid. Um, are you, you know, he says, confidence in an unfaithful man is like a trouble, is, is like a bad tooth or a foot out of joint. I mean, if you're trusting our government today, man, you're, you ought to be, you ought to be scared. Uh, are you counting on other people to help you in a crisis? An anonymous uh, psalmist said, do not put your trust in princes or other people. So where is your trust? David said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but remember the name of the Lord our God. So there's an urgency to the hour at Not By Works. We are doing everything we can to continue to spread the gospel. The best part about the book is the epilogue, a two-page presentation of the gospel, clearly explaining salvation by grace through faith. Because a lot of unbelievers are picking up this book uh, and because they resonate and they are waking up to what the reality is and they know something is afoot but they may not know the Lord. So this will draw them in. If you know people that are interested in some of these realities, give them the book and uh, encourage them to read uh, the epilogue. And it will, you know, God's faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They've got to hear the gospel in order to believe the gospel. So I hope you'll take the time to, uh, to check it out. Again, spiritofantichrist.org will give you some uh, kind of information about it, the table of contents and the entire preface. Um, you can order it online, um, but we have copies here if you want to get it here and don't have to pay shipping. Um, we also have a, a DVD set or streaming. Some people like DVDs, some people prefer to stream it. If you get the streaming, you can also download them and use them wherever you want. And, but it's not as comprehensive as the book, obviously, but it kind of gives more visuals and plays some clips and things like that. So thank you so much for your time. I hope this has sparked your interest. Remember to run everything through the grid of Scripture. And uh, remember that there is a cosmic battle going on. And we know who wins. The battle's already won, in fact. Jesus said it is finished. It's done. But uh, we've got some biblical prophecy to go through before we get there. So let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this time and for your...
goodness and your grace. Lord, thank you most of all for your grace and salvation. That uh, even though we were lost in sin, uh, your Son and our Savior paid the price, defeated death, hell, and the grave, rose from the dead, and offers to all freely the gift of eternal life. And so, Lord, we thank you that uh, you've saved us, and we pray that if there's one within the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that maybe today might be the day of salvation in simple childlike faith as they place their trust in Jesus Christ. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Jeremy?